I have something in my hand today that might look really familiar to some of you, and it's a broken phone. Right, we know what it's like to kind of bump heads with technology, and here's a phone that used to work, but for some reason it's been dropped one too many times, um, used one too many times. It's, it didn't do this to itself, right? Someone did it to the phone. And now what we end up with is a phone that just seems to be no use. And honestly, I don't know if it's worth fixing. Like, I don't know if the cost to repair this might even exceed the value of the phone itself. And so what happens to this broken phone? We just kind of cast it aside and stays in a drawer. It stays in a counter gathering dust until maybe one day we might actually fix the phone. And here's the truth today. People can get broken. People can get broken. Used one too many times. Abused one too many times. Neglected one too many times. And let's just be clear. People don't do this to themselves. People don't break themselves. There's many things that can break a person. One might be circumstance might break you. The trials that you're going through, the environment around you. Another thing that could break you might be people. People's choices towards you. How they treat you, what they decide to do with their free will. That can break you. And your bad choices can break you. <laughs> Those things you regret. Those things you wish you didn't do or didn't decide. Those things that you wish you weren't involved in. And so we end up like this. We end up broken. And you're going to find broken people everywhere. From Paris to Paris, right? From Durban to New York, from Cape Town to London, no matter where you go, you're going to find broken people. And we end up being broken in many different ways. Some people end up being broken physically. They have physical ailments. Their body is broken. Some people end up being broken spiritually. They struggle in their relationship with God. They struggle in their faith. Some people end up being broken relationally. Some have mental breaks. Some have emotional breaks. Many have relational breaks. They don't know how to relate. They don't know how to be in intimacy. They don't know how to be open and how to be vulnerable. And so we have all these broken people. And some might think, well, the best solution is just hide from the world. But one author put it like this. Life will break you. No one can protect you from that. And living alone won't protect you either because the solitude will break you with its yearning. And so no matter where you go in life, you're going to face brokenness. It might be that failed marriage or that remarriage that failed again. The abuse or the abandonment of a parent or the abuse or abandonment of a child. It might be an accident that renders you disabled or the betrayal of a close friend. 
the hurtful words of someone spoken in anger over your life. Proverbs 18 verse 14 says it so clearly. It says a human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear a crushed spirit? Who can bear it for my spirit to be crushed? Sometimes it feels like it's too much to bear. The scary thing is, you can't always see it. Sometimes you can. Sometimes you can see brokenness, right? If you ever met someone and you can just see right off the bat, like they've had a hard life. Sometimes people wear their brokenness on the outside, but not everyone. Which is why sometimes we get shocked when we hear these stories of people who looked on the outside like they had it all put together. And then overnight, they just they took their life or they did something stupid or they... I think of people like Robin Williams. Remember him? Like every interview you watch of his, every movie he makes, you're just you're laughing at this guy. And you're like, man, you're like, he must be the happiest guy in the world. And then someone like him takes his life. And you don't know that behind the scenes, he's struggling with depression and his relationship, his marriages are breaking down. And he's got substance abuse and he had just been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and all these things are going on in his life until it got too much to bear and he just checked out. And so I know in a room like this that there are many broken things we cannot see. And there are people walking in today who are sitting in these seats broken and we cannot see it. Because not all brokenness is visible. There are people right now sitting here feeling completely emotionally spent and broken. Mentally spent and broken. Relationally broken. Spiritually broken. Physically battling some kind of chronic illness or disease the reality is people, just like this phone, <laughs> people can break. But there's good news. The good news is that's only half the truth. You know what the second half of that truth is? Jesus loves the broken. Yes, people can get broken, but Jesus loves the broken. Look at someone and bless them with that truth. Say, Jesus loves the broken. In fact, I know there's a lot of people who are almost scared to come to God with all their junk and their issues, right? They're scared. They're like, oh, I don't want to come to God. I want to fix myself first. I don't want to come to God. I'm too messy. Things are not in order in my life. I'm too lost in my sin. I'm too lost in my issues. And they're like, I'm going to come to God when I get it right. I'll start going to church when I first fix these things. I'm going to start being committed. I'll start serving. I'll, I'll join a circle. I've just got all these things going on in my life right now that I first want to sort out before I come to Jesus. And that's so opposite to what Jesus says. In fact, when Jesus begins his public ministry, he gets up in a synagogue and he reads from a scroll from the book of Isaiah. And he says this in Luke 4, 18, that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he has sent me church. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted part of the ministry. Part of the reason Jesus was sent was to come and minister to and heal the broken. He's not asking you to fix yourself before you come to him. He's saying, come to me and I'll fix you. 
He's not asking for you to sort yourself together. He's like, no, 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 you come to me, all you who are broken and weary laden and heavy, and I will give rest for your souls. You just got to come to me. So often Jesus is just waiting for us to come to him with our brokenness and with our issues and with our baggage. Because if you're broken today, you didn't do that to yourself. You didn't break yourself. If you have brokenness today in your relationships, in your thinking, in your emotions, in your spirit, in your body, well, most likely that was done to you through circumstance, through people, through some of your bad choices. People don't break themselves. And so Jesus says, whatever you look like, just come as you are. Come as you are, I'll transform you. Just come as you are. I will heal you. Just come as you are. I will lift those burdens from you. In fact, this word brokenhearted, everyone say brokenhearted. This work in Luke 4 where Jesus says, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. The image in, in the original language is of two sticks being rubbed together in order to kindle a fire. You know that that's sometimes how life feels? Like life is just rubbing up against you and it's causing friction and it's causing heat. This is what leads to brokenheartedness, the circumstances, the people, the personalities, the opinions, the deadlines, the objections, all these things rubbing against us. And it just brings so much heat. It brings destruction. It brings pain into our lives. Jesus says, part of my ministry and part of the reason I'm sent is to minister to you who are brokenhearted, who have experienced brokenness because too many things have rubbed up against you. Now, I know you didn't do that to yourself. It's been done to you, but I want to come heal you. Because very often we sit in our brokenness and just like we debate whether it's worthwhile fixing the phone, we're like, I don't know if I can fix myself. I don't know if I have enough resources. Do I have enough time? Do I have enough wisdom? Do I have enough connections? Do I have enough money for that therapy? I don't know if I can fix myself. But the beautiful thing is Jesus saying, you just come to me. I want to transform you. I want my word to transform you. I want to heal you. Come to me, all who are brokenhearted. And so if you and I are going to learn to love like Jesus, which is really the goal for this series, we're going to have to learn how to love the broken. Because Jesus loved the broken. Oh, this interaction he had with the woman at the well is just one example of Jesus just loving broken people. This woman who was so broken relationally and so broken emotionally and so broken spiritually Jesus went out of his way he met with her in her brokenness he met with her in her pain he ministered to her right where she was at Jesus was so beautiful at doing this again and again and again and it kind of begs us or makes us ask the question as as the now representatives of Jesus on this earth as as his now body on this earth, it begs the question, how do we love the broken? How are we loving the emotionally broken, the spiritually broken, the physically broken among us? How do we love them? How do we love the people who are not able to help themselves? Those who have become kind of victims, they have a victim mentality in life. They've kind of given up. 
You know, I've heard Christians say this my whole life. They say, you know, God helps those who help themselves. People have even said, the Bible says, God helps those who help themselves. Well, actually, no, the Bible doesn't say that. Benjamin Franklin said that. (laughs) He ain't in the Bible, not in my version. Right? In fact, what we really see in Scripture is that God doesn't just help those who help themselves. God loves to help those who can't help themselves. We see this, guys, so often in Jesus' ministry. He seeks out those who can't help themselves. He pursues them. He walks towards them. He ministers to them. God helps those who can't help themselves. And so today we're going to be seeing another interaction that Jesus had. And this time we see him by a pool, the pool of Bethesda. We're going to see Jesus minister to another man, just like he did to the woman at the well. He ministers to another man who, again, is so broken. We're going to find this story together in the book of John, chapter 5. If you have your Bible, perhaps you have the New Life Bible app, join us there in John 5. And it says this from verse 2. Inside the city near the sheep gate was a pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind and lamed or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew that he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the waters bubble up. Someone else always get there ahead of me. There was this belief that the angel would come and stir the water up and the first one in there would be the one who receives the healing. And so we see this man lying next to this water waiting for the supernatural encounter for 38 years. We see a man that Jesus walks to and identifies who is completely broken. We can see this in the story, his brokenness. He's broken firstly by his circumstance. He has an illness. An illness that has completely changed the course of his life. Some of you know what that's like. You've had an illness that's completely changed the course of your life. He's lying there, the Bible says, for almost four decades, completely broken by circumstance. We don't know. The Bible's not specific with what his ailment was, what his sickness was. But we know he was either paralyzed or he was so weak that he couldn't walk to the water when he needed to. Broken by circumstance. The second thing he was broken by, he was broken by people. He was lying in a crowd of people and no one was there to help him. Scholars will tell us that on average around the pool of Bethesda, there would be about 300 sick people lying there. Because in those times, people did a terrible job at taking care of the sick. If you were sick, if you had some kind of ailment, your choices were to become a beggar. Or go hang out with the sick in the sick community. And so imagine hundreds of people around this pool. Then they would tell us that during the times of the feasts where we see Jesus now, that there would be most likely around 3,000 people hanging around the pool of Bethesda, which is a place, by the way, you can still visit today. They've dug it up. Uh, and, and so just so you know, a bit of a heads up, we're planning on doing an, uh, a trip to Israel uh, as a church next year. So some of you hopefully... 
Hopefully, we'll be able to go and see that with your own eyes. But you can imagine 3,000 people around this pool of Bethesda, and there's this man, and no one is there. No one is there. He's been broken by people. There's no friends to help him. And those of you who have faced some kind of physical ailment, you've had some kind of disability, you've had some kind of chronic illness, you know what it's like for people to start isolating themselves from you? Those little invites from friendships become less and less and less. We don't know how old he was. We don't know if he was married. But if he was married, it's likely that his relationship would have broken up because of his sickness. Because statistically, we're told that if one member of a marriage gets diagnosed with a chronic illness or some kind of disability, 75% of those marriages end in divorce. Because of the burden that's put on the healthy spouse. Their worries about becoming a long-term caretaker just overwhelms them. It breaks them. And so we see this man broken by his circumstance. He's broken by people and he's broken by time. Time. Because guys, we can, we can take bad news on day one. We can maybe take it on day 10, but what about on day year 38? waking up every day now he's just given in to the reality i'm not going to get better you see we have this christian saying that time heals all wounds but you know that's not always true sometimes time makes the wounds worse when you're living constantly in the hope and that hope never comes to pass eventually your hope becomes hopelessness and we see this man he's like i'm i can't i I'm not going to get better. I can't do it. He's hopeless. Now, he didn't break himself, but he was broken by his circumstance. He was broken by the people. He was broken by time. And there he is next to the pool of Bethesda. And it's interesting to me because the word Bethesda means house of mercy. Everyone say house of mercy. But I think if we had to be honest... He's probably finding it to be a house of agony. And I want to hone in on this point because I do feel like very often this is how the broken feel. The people who maybe don't fit the mold, the people who are maybe struggling mentally, emotionally, physically, relationally. They feel like even if they come to a place like this, a house of mercy, that it can become the place of agony because people don't love them. They don't minister to them. They don't spend time with them. So often, the broken among us feel like this phone. They just feel tossed aside, put in a drawer, ignored. I think of the homeless among us. How often are they just put in a category, not paid attention to, not seen as individuals? Those who are in nursing homes or care, care facilities, how often do they just feel pushed aside when we go do outreaches to the retirement villages and sometimes we sit with people and they're like you know my family lives in this town and they haven't seen me for 20 years and you're like how can that be those people dealing with physical disabilities things you can see how they feel like no one wants to look them in the eye no one wants to come and greet them no one wants to pay attention to them so often even in our society we still do a terrible job just like they did back then, we still do a terrible job at caring for the broken. And so how did Jesus do it? 
What lessons can we learn from Jesus' interaction with the woman at the well and this man at the pool of Bethesda? What things can we learn? Because now we are to be Jesus. We are the ones who need to love like he loved. Even when life becomes overwhelming. And guys, there is times where it just feels too much. I love that scripture doesn't hide these moments from us. I think of the letter that Paul was writing to the Corinthian church. He writes this in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8. Some of you will know what this feels like. He says, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. Listen to this. This man of God, this apostle, this person who God was using mightily says, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure it, so that we despaired of life itself. What? Paul? The guy who God used to write most of the New Testament, Paul despairing of life itself. Guys, this is how real it is. Sometimes the circumstances around us make us feel like I'm just despairing of life right now. And Paul waits 11 chapters before he tells the church what he went through, why he was so despairing. In 2 Corinthians 11 verse 27 He says, I've labored and I've toiled and I've gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. I've gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. It gets too much, too many trials, too many bad things happening all at the same time. You guys know what that feels like. This daily concern. It's crumbling me. It's breaking me. And we end up like David says in Psalm 42 verse 3, that my tears have been my food day and night. I'm just like, oh, I'm going to die of tears. Some of you are there now. Some of you know what that feels like. And the problem is our brokenness expresses itself in very bad ways. There's many ways brokenness can reveal itself in our life. Sometimes it's through depression. Many of you know what that's like. Many of you have walked that road. I know I have. Sometimes it's through anxiety. Sometimes it's through anger. Sometimes it's through some kind of substance abuse or addiction, whether it be to technology or pornography or alcohol or media or entertainment or drugs, some kind of escape, some kind of game I need to play or fix I need to get. Sometimes it expresses itself with antisocial behavior, people just withdrawing. Sometimes this brokenness expresses itself with self-harm. That can look in many ways, people cutting themselves, harming themselves on purpose. You know why people do that? When they're just dealing with a brokenness that's causing so much pain, they would rather feel another kind of pain than sit with the pain that they have. They use physical pain as a distraction from the inner turmoil that they're experiencing. Have you ever gone to a dentist and they start drilling something or you go to a doctor and they start stitching something or you go to a nurse and they start poking somewhere and now you find yourself pinching your leg or 
But, you know, you just like, I, I want to just distract myself from this pain so I cause another kind of pain. I'm going to clench my teeth. I'm going to do something. I'm going to squeeze someone's hand until my hand hurts. I'm going to distract myself from this pain. That's what happens with people who eventually do self-harm. They just need another kind of pain to feel because the pain they're feeling internally is just too much. Sometimes it expresses itself through suicidal thoughts. I, I relate to that so much. I have struggled with that most of my life. Just say, complete, hey, life's too hard. There's too much pressure. Just this idea of, oh, I could just check out. Hey, I mean, I, I could just check out. And, and you, you actually can believe the lie in that moment that people would be better off. Your family would be happier. Your kids would be happier. It's a, that's how brokenness expressed itself in my life. And I knew, hey, this is really unhealthy. I can't be fantasizing about this every time life gets hard. I had to go for help. I went and spoke to people. I got the counsel. I did the therapy because I knew this is a result of brokenness that cannot exist in my life. It will end up controlling my life. In fact, it would end up destroying it. And so as we go through life, when we pick up brokenness, there's, many different ways some of you you could say hey it's it's expressed myself in a few of those ways not just one or two but what do we do as we sit with our brokenness and as we are surrounded by broken people how do we love them well what can Jesus show us well I just love this example of what Jesus does to this guy at the pool of Bethesda and the first thing he did and the first thing I believe we need to do is that Jesus showed compassion. Look at someone and say, he was compassionate. In John uh, 5, this is just beautiful. I want to remind you, 3,000 people, right? 3,000 people around this pool. And then it says in verse 6, when Jesus saw him. Jesus saw him and he knew that he had been ill for a long time. And he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, said the man, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets air ahead of me. And Jesus told him, stand up, take up your mat and walk. And instantly the man was healed. He rolled up a sleeping mat and he began walking. Now what I find amazing about the ministry of Jesus, and you see this again and again uh, in so many places in Jesus' ministry, is that he had an incredible gift to speaking to crowds and he could speak to the crowds and people would be like, we've never heard someone minister like that. He had a gift of speaking, but then he also had this gift of just ministering to people right where they were. He could zone in on an individual. And I want you to imagine now this pool surrounded by 3,000 sick. And you can imagine Jesus is honing onto one and he starts making his way to that man. Sorry, excuse me. Excuse me. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Just getting to that guy. Right, just completely zoning in on one guy. And he says, okay, you, I want to minister to you. I can see your need. I have compassion. You've been here 38 years. I have compassion in you. Stand up. Get your mad walk. You can imagine now this healed man with his mat under his arm. Right, now they've got to make their way out of there. Like, excuse me. And they'll be like, did Jesus just do that? Like, heal me. What about me? Like, I want some of that, right? Jesus' ministry was so zoned in on the individual and he saw the need and I wonder how do we see broken people 
The people in your life that are not functioning so well right now, that seem maybe like they have a low IQ or low EQ, or they're just not very sensitive, or they just kind of like, they're a leech in your life, or they just kind of naggy, or they just seem extra broken, and they're never getting their stuff together. How do we see them? Because when Jesus sees the broken, he has compassion on them. Compassion. He doesn't see them as an embarrassment. He doesn't see them as an inconvenience. He sees them as an opportunity to show the love of God. He, sh- he sees them as an opportunity for ministry. And I believe for you and I, when, when we meet the broken, even though we have our own brokenness, we need to show compassion. And we have to remind ourselves, they didn't break themselves. Someone broke them. Things broke them. You know, this isn't in my notes, but I really feel I need to share this. Is like, when I was a kid in high school, I had lost my relationship with my dad. Like, he had left us. He had gone off with other women. And, and I just knew as a teenager, I needed dad. But he wasn't like, it was nothing. And I didn't know how to forgive him. I didn't know how to, like, get past this. And I just started praying, God, show me how you see my dad. Show me how you see him. Like, give me your love for him. You know what God showed me? A broken man. I just saw him in so much brokenness and, and my anger turned to compassion and love. And I could reach out and I, I'll be the bigger guy now and I'll reach out and I'll try cause a, a start a relationship, you know, because he's broken. Someone did that to him. He needs someone to show him the love of God. And for some of you, I believe there's going to be people in your life that God needs to show you the reason they like that, the reason they're toxic and difficult and hard to explain. They're broken. They didn't do that to themselves. Someone broke them. What they need now is for someone to step in and show them the love of God. Show compassion. Second thing that Jesus did that I believe we need to do is that Jesus spoke honestly. He spoke honestly. I love that he doesn't. Hold back. In fact, he asked such a weird question in verse six that has always fascinated me. I don't know if you notice it, but it's like, he's like, do you want to get better? You know, uh, next year I'm on staff here at New Life for 20 years. How crazy is that, right? 20 year anniversary next year. And so I've done like 20 years of hospital visitations and I've never asked someone that question. I've never gone to someone's hospital bed, right? And they're like on life support and they're like near the end. I'm like, do you want to get better? Never, never counsel someone like that's in just desperate need and they're crying about their circumstances. I'm like, do you even want to get better? And I just find it so amazing that Jesus honed in. It's like, do you want this? And it was such a good question to ask because very often we can get comfortable with our brokenness. We can make friends with our brokenness. It can feel like a safe place. Healing can seem scary. What if I get whole? And for this man, we know in the Eastern time, the, the ancient times in those days, if he got healed, that would come with some responsibility because he could no longer sit next to the pool. He, he could no longer go big. He would need to be part of a very difficult workforce. He'd need to put in his hours. He'd need to get up early in the morning and graft and you need to try and make a living. Jesus is saying, do you want this? And I think for many people, I don't know if they want out of their brokenness. They've made brokenness their home. In fact, there's a commentator, I just love this, uh, Roger Fredrickson. He said, so often people succumb to their illness 
bedding down with their alcoholism or their heart trouble or their partial paralysis or whatever it is. They become psychological and spiritual invalids, retreating within themselves, avoiding responsibility, becoming more and more self-centered as they demand sympathy from others. So every now and again in dealing with this kind of defeated person in the office or at the hospital bed or in a luncheon appointment, I have asked the question, do you want to be made well? After reading that, I thought, I, I need to start asking that question a bit more. Do you actually want to get better? Because your healing might come with responsibility. You can no longer play the victim. Jesus was not scared in that moment to ask very difficult questions. He was not scared to speak honestly. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but later on, Jesus bumps into the same man. We're told in verse 14, he bumps into him again and listen to what Jesus says. But afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, now that you are well, stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. What? This guy was probably like, had never been spoken to like this. You can imagine this whole life. People had like, oh, shame. And like walked around eggshells with him and I like kind of ignored him. And now someone's coming and saying, hey, get your life in order. Stop sinning. And you know what? It shows that because Jesus loved him, Jesus was not scared to share the hard truth with him. Broken people do not need a broken gospel. They need a whole gospel. They need an unbroken gospel. And at some point, it's fine to address someone's brokenness, their physical brokenness, their emotional brokenness, their mental brokenness. It's fine to try to get that to healing. But if at some point I don't care about your eternity then I don't truly love you. If I love you, I'm going to have those hard conversations. And Jesus was saying, yeah, your physical brokenness has robbed you of 38 years of life, but be careful that your spiritual brokenness doesn't rob you of an eternity. It's far longer. And guys, at the end of the day, yes, maybe I can get healed. And now I have two legs to walk on. But if I do not find Jesus, all that means is I go to hell with two legs. And then... What good have I done? What good have I done? I need to be, have the courage not just to love you in my compassion, but I need to speak honestly. And if I truly love you, it's going to be, go beyond your physical and immediate needs. And I'm going to have your eternity in mind. Jesus loved compassionately. He loved honestly. And then the last point is that Jesus knew that it would be messy. Look at someone and say, it gets messy. messy. Guys, loving broken people gets messy. It is not clean cut and uncomplicated. It's the opposite of that. It's difficult. It's messy. It certainly happened with Jesus. And Jesus, by the way, he knew this was coming and he loved anyway. In verse 9 of John 5, it says, but this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected and they said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The Lord doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, listen, the man Jesus had just healed after 38 years of disease throws Jesus under the bus. But he replied, 
That man who healed me, he told me to pick up my mat and walk. The officials, who said such a thing, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared. He had withdrawn himself into the crowd. Jesus knew he was doing this miracle on the Sabbath. He knew that this would be messy, but he loved anyway. And I want to encourage you guys. If you're going to love the broken, they might turn on you. They might misunderstand you. They might take you for granted. They might treat you like a doormat. But if we're going to love like Jesus, we have to love them anyway. Love them anyway. Guys, in my, again, almost 20 years of ministry, I can honestly tell you before God that it's the people that have helped the most. It's the people that we've bent over backwards with. It's the people that we have hustled to try to pay their rent and get their kids in school and, and, and get food to their houses. It's the people that we've tried to like phone and organize jobs for. It's the people that I've spent hours and hours of free counseling with, the ones that are the most offended, who leave the quickest, who reject the gift and are the most unthankful and who walk away and say, they did nothing for me. But you know what? We're not going to let that stop us. We're going to love anyway. Because Jesus loved anyway. We're going to walk towards the mess. Why? Because Jesus walked towards the mess. And so, yes, if you love the broken, you can't expect broken people to make whole decisions. You can't expect broken people to act like whole people. No, they're going to be immature. They're going to be thin-skinned. They're going to be unreliable and unloyal and easy to offend. But love them anyway. Look at someone and say, love them anyway. Walk towards the mess. Do not expect wholeness from someone who is broken. Love them anyway. You know, um, I was just thinking about it this week. There's, a, there's so many examples I could use, but there's one guy, and I can use this example because he's not in our church. And, uh, well, let's hope he didn't join today. If you're here, I'm not going to say your name. But, but he just WhatsApps me often, and he just says, hi. And then I respond with, hi, how can I help you? And then there's nothing. And then he responds a few days later, hi. And I respond with, hi, how can I help you? And there's nothing. And then every now and again, he'll add it. He'll say, please pray for me, pastor. And then a few days later, hi. So I was wondering now in prep for the message, I was like, how long has this been going on for? And I see, I went back, it's about two and a half years. Right? But you know what? I'm going to love anyway. Love anyway. In fact, what I thought I need to do now is I'm just going to WhatsApp him out of the blue. And I'm just going to WhatsApp him and say, hi, I'm praying for you. All right? I'm just going to do that. Praying for you. Just because it gets messy does not give you a reason to stop. Love anyway. You and I really pray that as a church we can stop pushing aside the broken and blaming them for their brokenness. I hope that you and I can have the compassion Jesus had, that we can have the eyes. Maybe we need to pray that, God, give me your eyes. Help me see them like you see them, God. Help me see them in their brokenness so I can love them and show compassion to them. God, help me have the honest conversation. Maybe you need to ask him, do you really want to get better? 
Do you know Jesus? God, help me walk towards a mess. And when I'm misunderstood, help me forgive them. When they take me for granted, help me love them. When they speak bad about me, even though I'm the only one that's been there for them, God, help me show grace to them like you've shown grace to me. I want to love the broken because Jesus loved the broken. And now, church, he loves the broken through us. It's our mandate. It's our ministry. It's your ministry. It's mine. We need to love broken people. Can I ask you to close your eyes? I want to ask you this question. Who do you need to love today? Maybe there's been someone in your life that you've just like given up on. And I want to just implore you today, don't give up. Please don't give up. And yes, I know it's draining. And I know you misunderstood. And I know they take more than they should. And I know they misunderstand you. And I know you feel like they're taking you for granted. But please, can you love them anyway? Can you continue to love them even though they're broken? Love them in their hardship. Love them in their need. Love them like Jesus loved them. God, I pray that you give us your eyes. God, the people in our lives that have been very difficult, those that seem so quick to anger, those that seem so depressed. God, those who have made a home with their brokenness, And never even seem to want to change. Give us your eyes. May we see them like you see them so that we can love them too. God, may we show them your compassion. God, may we have honest conversations. May we walk towards a mess. And when it gets messy, when they turn on us, God, we want to love them anyway. God, I give you every broken person in this room. I know there's many. Holy Spirit, would you come and heal? I'm so grateful, God. You're not scared of our mess. You walk towards us and you invite us to come to you with all our issues. You're not waiting for us. God, I pray that people go home today and have the most honest conversations they've ever had with you where they speak about their stuff, Lord. They speak about the things they're struggling with. They speak about the temptations. They speak about the depression. They speak about the wounds, God. May they bring it to you, I pray. God, ultimately, what we want is for you to have your way. We don't want our lives controlled by our brokenness. We want our lives in obedience to you. Have your way, Lord, I pray. Have your way in our relationships. Have your way, God, and the way we love. We lay it before you, our lives laid bare. And we ask you, God, help. Help us love like you love. Love through us, I pray. In Jesus Christ's name. I want to invite you to stand. And we're going to make that our prayer as we close the service. We're just going to pray, God, have your way. Have your way. Make that the prayer of your heart today.